Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we'll work through the NFL Week 13 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer and break down some bets, so to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. Loud noises! As always, I've spent the week listening to the most prominent handicappers on the best NFL betting podcasts. In this episode, we have insights from 10 bettors across six different podcasts. In all, it came out to more than nine hours worth of listening, and I'll distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways, plus some original analysis. The final result, seven bets across the point spread, total, teaser, and prop markets. And it's been a refreshingly slow news day so far as I record this Friday morning Pacific time. No games pulled off the board so far today, so let's get to it and run through the Week 13 slate. First game on the board, Detroit at Chicago. Bears laying three with extra vig, total 44.5. And I think a lot of us are seeing this as addition by subtraction for the Lions in their first game since firing Matt Patricia. RJ Bill on the Dream Preview said he likes the Lions, a big part of his handicap, their motivation. He says they despised Patricia. And Matthew Holt and Steve Fezzik did push back a little bit on this, more so because of the number. The line was available at 5.5 or even plus 6 earlier in the week. So the current number reflects Patricia being gone, also accounts for Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift possibly being back for the Lions. And once Holt and Fezzik brought this up, RJ did soften his stance. One more factor worth keeping in mind, DeAndre Swift cleared concussion protocol, but he took a step back on Thursday, didn't practice due to an illness. It doesn't sound like that illness was COVID-related, but worth keeping an eye on Swift's status as kickoff on Sunday approaches. Next game on the board, Cincinnati at Miami. Dolphins laying 11.5, total 42.5. No betting interest in this one, and if the Dolphins show up, there might not be much viewing interest either, so let's move on. Up next, Indianapolis at Houston, and there is plenty of interest in this one. Colts laying 3.5, total 50.5, and and we had three likes on the under. Those came from Suma on the Matchbook podcast, Drew Dinsick on the Matchbook and Deep Dive podcasts, and Steve Fezzik on the Even Money and Dream Preview podcasts. I want to note, these likes came when the total was 51. That is a pretty key number, but I do think they hold up at 50.5, given the news behind the move, although you might want to consider a reduced amount on the wager. We had one like on Houston, that came from Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview, and one like on the Colts, that came from TA on the Sharp Angles podcast. Looking at the under, Suma led the handicap, noting Will Fuller, a major absence for the Texans' offense. It's basically Brandon Cooks and then the cupboard's Barrett wide receiver. Fezzik also brought this up in his handicap for the under, and TA brought up this point when making his case for the Colts. Suma also notes the Colts' defensive line getting a big boost with DeForest Buckner and sack leader Danico Autry both coming back. Drew brought up this point as well, and this was also a factor in TA's case for the Colts. On the other side of the ball, Suma adds the Colts are likely going to be without key offensive lineman Anthony Costanzo, and this was a key factor in Fezzik's handicap as well. Looking at the Houston side of things, Matthew Holt's handicap largely boiled down to Deshaun Watson playing incredibly well of late, and Holt says passing offense matters more than any other phase of the game. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that, but some people might have concerns about his confidence in the Texans' offense keeping it up even without Fuller. Holt also likes the Texans coming in with extra rest off of the Thanksgiving game last week. T.A., making his case for the Colts, said that Houston's going to be missing cornerback Bradley Roby on defense. He was suspended due to PEDs along with Fuller, and that's an underrated absence in his eyes, with Roby ranked as the number 19 cover corner in the league per pro football focus. Moving on to Jacksonville at Minnesota, 
Vikings laying 10 or 10 and a half, total 51. And we have two likes on the over, Drew on the Matchbook podcast, as well as TA. And I'll note both of those likes came when the line was 52 and a half. So there's been a line move against that total, but I haven't seen any big news to explain why. I'd imagine Drew and TA are liking it even more right now. Also, one like on the Vikings, that came from RJ. Looking at the over, Drew suggested Mike Glennon's performance last week showed us he's capable against a bad Vikings defense this week, and TA also touched on Glennon, saying he took a lot of deep shots and those should be open again against this Vikings secondary. And I'll add to the handicap, following up on last week, the Jaguars' defense is still in shambles. This week, they're facing a better quarterback running a similar scheme, and Jacksonville's on the road this time around. And I'm not sure why the total came down from 52.5. Friday morning, we did get injury news favoring the over, including DJ Chark being confirmed as a go for the Jaguars, so I'd expect this total to trickle back up as we get closer to kickoff. Looking at RJ's angle on the Vikings, he says coaching and quarterback mismatches are bigger than the market's accounting for at this number. Mike Zimmer, the best head coach in the league other than Bill Belichick, in RJ's opinion, and he also says Kirk Cousins having a better year for the Vikings than he's getting credit for. Next game on the board, Las Vegas at the Jets, Raiders laying 8.5 or 9, total 47, and we had 4 likes on the Raiders against the spread, Drew making them his best bet on the Matchbook podcast, his co-host on the Deep Dive podcast, Andy Molitor, also on the Raiders, along with Fezzik on the Dream Preview, and RJ. 2 likes on the Jets, those came from Matthew Holt and Dave Essler on the Dream Preview, and 3 likes on the Raiders is a teaser leg, Andy, Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, and Adam Chernoff on the Simple Handicap. Looking at the case for the Raiders against the spread, Drew said this is a bounce-back spot for them after everything seemed to go wrong last week. He thinks this line should be Raiders favored by 10, and he says the Raiders' offense simply too good to repeat last week's disaster. He expects them to score at will on a weak Jets defense playing without its best cornerback. Fezzik added the Jets' offense didn't see much of a boost getting Sam Darnold back last week. RJ echoed this point, and RJ also noted the Jets have only covered the spread three times this season, and two of those were very fortunate, so the Jets could be even worse than the market perceives them to be. There were two cases for the Jets, Holt and Essler. Holt's case leaned pretty heavily on narratives. He said the Raiders' offensive line is feuding, and the Jets are better at home because their closest losses have come at home. I think Essler made a better case if you want to look at the Jets. He said the Raiders have some key injuries on both sides of the ball. Josh Jacobs nursing an ankle injury. That could loom large. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. And on defense, starting cornerback Damon Arnett making his way back from a concussion. He did practice on Thursday, so I think he's moving in the right direction to go on Sunday. Esler also noted this is the second straight East Coast road game for the Raiders, but they were unable to stay back East this week due to the pandemic, so that's some extra travel they're logging. And Esler also notes from a number standpoint, he doesn't make the Raiders 8 points better than anybody. On the deep dive, Andy and Drew made their secret podcast play the Raiders team total over 27 with extra vig. But I think it's worth noting, the best I'm seeing now on the Raiders team total is over 28. There has been a bit of a line move on the Raiders since the deep dive recorded. In terms of how I'm looking to get involved in this game, I really like Andy, Fezzik, and Adam's angle to tease the Raiders down through 7-3. and three. I think we're going to see some strong positive regression for the Raiders after last week when they went 4-14 for 14 on 3rd and 4th downs, 0-2 in the red zone. They racked up 11 penalties for more than 140 yards, and perhaps biggest of all, 5 turnovers, including a pick 6 and 4 fumbles lost. So variance hit the Raiders like a brick wall last week, and it showed in that 43-6 final score in Atlanta, but I think we can just throw it out, liking the Raiders to do little more than win outright against the Jets this week. 
Up next, New Orleans at Atlanta, Saints laying three with reduced VIG, total 45. We had three likes on the Falcons, Suma, Drew, and Fezzik. One like on the over, that came from Drew, and one like on the under, that came from TA. Looking at the Falcons side of things, Suma centered his handicap around the Saints when they have the ball, saying the Saints won't have the same element of surprise this time with Taysom Hill at quarterback, also noting the Saints likely without left tackle Teron Armstead after he tested positive, while the Falcons likely getting back defensive end Dante Fowler, he didn't go when these teams faced each other in Week 11, and Suma also noting the Falcons' defense in a neutral game state, defined as win probability being between 5 and 9. Since firing Dan Quinn, number two in the league, and expected points added per dropback. On the other side of the ball, Suma also notes the Saints are likely going to be without their best cornerback, Janoris Jenkins. Drew touched on this point as well. And I'll add, we also got some news on Thursday. Saints defensive end Marcus Davenport, a significant new addition to the injury report. He didn't practice Thursday due to a concussion, so his status very much in doubt for Sunday. Drew adding to the Falcons' side of things that he expects the Saints' defense to hit some regression soon. Their stats suggest they've been on fire recently, but that's come largely against weak opponents, and he says we can throw out their stats altogether against Denver last week. Fezzik agreed with that point. And Drew also notes he thinks the Falcons' offense is due for some positive regression in the red zone after they had to settle for just three field goals in that Week 11 matchup in New Orleans. Drew especially likes the Falcons' team total over in this one. I'm seeing that available at 21. And one more angle for him to get in play on this game, liking the full game over up to 46. But we do have TA going the other way on the total. He took the under at 46. That move to 45 might slightly affect the wager amount, but TA really seems to like both defenses, and he said all Taysom Hill does is run the ball. That should also bode well for the under. And I want to add to this one, if we're going to throw out last week's numbers for the Raiders due to the negative variance they encountered, I think we should do the same for the Falcons due to the positive variance that worked in their favor in that game. But I also think we should throw out the Saints win last week against a team without a quarterback, so I don't see any reason for power ratings changes since the first Falcons-Saints game. Also, the Saints running a pretty gimmicky offense with Taysom Hill, and this is the second look for the Falcons in three weeks. I see a parallel to the Chargers and Ravens a couple years ago when Baltimore came to LA and got a double-digit win in Week 16, and then just two weeks later, the Chargers visited the Ravens in the wildcard round, getting their second look at Lamar Jackson. Much different story, Chargers getting the win in that one. We might see a similar turn of events working in the Falcons' favor this Sunday. Also think, if we look at flipping home field advantage to Atlanta, we're only seeing a half-point adjustment from the Week 11 line of Saints minus 3.5, and yes, home field advantage is diminished this year, but a half-point adjustment for flipping it doesn't seem like enough. I know the Saints won big in that first game, and the Falcons at Julio Jones. We're not counting on him to do much, if anything, this week, but there are other health factors favoring Atlanta. Suma covered that pretty well, and I'm also counting on positive regression in the rematch after the first time around. The Falcons were just 4 of 17 on 3rd and 4th downs, and if we look at the red zone, Falcons 0 for 1, Saints 3 for 4. Also, the Falcons lost the turnover battle, and lastly, when the Saints decide to go with Taysom Hill instead of Jameis Winston, I think that's Sean Payton looking for lower variance that plus a lower total in this game increases the value of the three points available for the Falcons against the spread. Next game on the board, Cleveland at Tennessee, Titans laying 5.5 or 6, total 53.5, and, and with both teams at 8-3, and three, I think this line is fair to reflect. Cleveland not as good as Tennessee, but it might be pushing it at the current number. We had three likes on the Browns. Those came from RJ, who made the Browns his best bet, along with Fezzik and the Hitman on the Dream Preview. All these likes came at plus 6, so if 5.5 is the best number you're seeing available, that probably does reduce the interest in the Browns. We did have a like on the Titans. That came from Adam. He also grabbed a different number earlier in the week. We'll touch on on that in just a bit, and one like on the over, that came from TA. Looking at the Brown side of things, RJ said the Titans 
overvalued after their win the last two weeks against the Ravens and Colts. That Baltimore win could have gone either way. And the Titans were impressive last week, but he notes the Colts were without DeForest Buckner. That's a key piece of their defense. And RJ also touched on an X factor in this game. Baker Mayfield, is he going to be under pressure or not? Tennessee struggles to generate pressure. The hitman quantified this, saying the Titans are 31st in the league in pressure rate. TA used this point, calling out the Titans' terrible pass rush in his handicap for the over. And Fezzik, making his case for the Browns, said that the current number overstates the gap between these two teams, especially with Miles Garrett in line to come back. And he says the Browns undervalued after not covering last week in Jacksonville when they played well enough to cover. When it comes to the Hitman's handicap, I'll note there's been a lot of talk recently about Cleveland being 8-3 with a negative point differential, and I think it's fair to say the Browns aren't as good as their record would suggest, but the Hitman also mentioned last week was the first time this year the Titans won by more than one score. I do have a correction to make there. Tennessee also did blow out Buffalo earlier in the season, but the point still taken, the majority of the Titans wins this year have also been close. Looking at Adam's case for the Titans, he grabbed minus four early in the week, so at minus six, it's definitely a different conversation, but there might still be a smidge of value at five and a half. Adam notes the Browns' rush defense is a big step down in class for the Titans, while the Browns also have some secondary injuries. Ronnie Harrison on injured reserve, and Denzel Ward likely out, T.A. pointing out these injuries in his case for the over, and Adam also noted in the Titans' favor on the other side of the ball, the Titans' defense is bad, but Baker Mayfield was very uneven last week against an even worse Jaguars defense. Touching a little more on TA's handicap for the over, he said this game has two bad pass defenses, and it's not much better if we look at the run defenses, the Titans susceptible to explosive runs, and Nick Chubb has a track record for picking up big chunks, and on the other side, the Browns rush defense, 31st in success rate allowed, and Derrick Henry's going to be the best running back they'll have faced so far this season. One more thing to keep in mind for the over and the Tennessee side of things, A.J. Brown's looking like a big question mark for this game. He didn't practice Thursday, and he was a new addition to the injury report with a hip injury. Moving on to the late window on Sunday, Giants at Seattle, Seahawks laying 10.5, total 47.5, and Fezzik on the Even Money podcast took the under. He got it at 48, presumably he still likes it at 47.5, maybe for a slightly reduced amount. He noted Colt McCoy looked underwhelming for the Giants once he stepped in for Daniel Jones last week, doesn't expect McCoy to look too much better this weekend, and he also noted when Seattle has the ball, they've been running more than passing the last couple weeks after a recent rash of turnovers from Russell Wilson, and if Seattle stays run heavy, that should also work in favor of the under. Up next, Rams at Arizona. Rams laying three with reduced vig, total 48. We had three likes on the Rams, Drew, Andy, and Holt, with Holt making the Rams his best bet on the Dream Preview. One like on the Cardinals, Suma is his best bet on the Matchbook Podcast, and one like on Arizona is a teaser leg that came from Adam. Looking at Suma's best bet on Arizona on the Matchbook Podcast, he said his power ratings have the teams about even on a neutral field, and Arizona's at home in this one. Andy brought up the point on the deep dive that matchups can supersede power rating numbers sometimes. That's usually pretty rare, but has been weirdly common in the NFC West this season. And power ratings aside, Suma notes Arizona was recently a clear favorite hosting Buffalo and Miami, so the swing to the Cardinals as a three-point underdog hosting the Rams strikes him as an overreaction when we look at recent form. And Suma also noted he thinks the gap between the quarterbacks is greater than the gap between the defense in this game. 
And speaking of the quarterbacks, on the Rams side of things, Drew said Kyler Murray's injury might be worse than we're being led to believe. He noted that Murray's already limited as a passer when he's at full strength, and now with the injury, it seems like the Cardinals are protecting him running. Andy touched on this point as well, and Drew pointed out some recency bias that could favor the Rams here, saying they match up poorly against the 49ers. We all saw how that played out last weekend, and the Rams match up much better against Arizona historically, but Suma pushed back here, noting the Cardinals' defense has taken a significant step forward this season in his opinion. He expects the Cardinals to get pressure on Jared Goff, especially without Andrew Whitworth protecting him up front, and we all know Goff's allergic to pressure, and after hearing this, Drew did seem to soften his stance a little bit. On the Matchbook podcast, before Suma made his case for the Cardinals, Drew laid out his handicap for the Rams and wrapped it up by saying, I think this is not close. And then after Suma's handicap, Drew referred to this game as possibly being a coin flip or a three-point game either way, and he even said it could be an overtime game. And I don't mean this is a criticism in any way. Similar to how RJ shifted his stance on the Lions when Matthew Holt and Steve Vezik pushed back, I think we should applaud it when people are open to changing their minds, and that's something to keep in mind if you're looking at backing the Rams here. But looking at Holt's handicap for the Rams, he noted Murray's been struggling against the Blitz, opponents are blitzing him a lot more often as a result, and he's really high on the Rams' defense. Last like in this game, Adam looking at the Cardinals as a teaser candidate, he sees the line moving toward Arizona, so this could be a way to free up an extra half point, taking the Cardinals up to plus 9 right now, neutralizing that heavy vig attached to any current plus 3s on the Cardinals. Next game on the board, Philadelphia at Green Bay, Packers laying 8.5, total 48.5, 3 likes on Green Bay as a teaser leg, Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, as well as Andy and Adam. Fezzik liked the Packers enough to pay for a 6.5 point teaser when the line was Packers minus 9 earlier in the week. That was to get them down through the key number of 3. And currently, the Packers are a fit for that standard 6 point teaser model. I really like the notion to take them as a teaser. It's a good numbers grab when you've got the clear better team at home, again teasing down through those key numbers of 7 and 3, needing the Packers to do little more than win outright. Up next, New England at the Chargers, currently lined at Pickham, total 47.5, and, and this game pits arguably the best coach in NFL history against the worst coach in the league right now. Preston Johnson wrote a great article on ESPN Plus breaking this down, and I do think that's balanced out if we look at the talent on these rosters. We have arguably the most inferior road favorite we're going to see relative to the talent on the home team. I think that explains why this line's at Pickham, but we did have one like on the Chargers. That came from Fezzik. It was his best bet on the Dream Preview. Two likes on the Patriots. It's RJ and Holt pushing back on Fezzik on the Dream Preview. Also one like on the over, that came from Drew. When it came to Fezzik's best bet on the Chargers, he mentioned they're the better team at home, the Patriots coming off a deceiving win last week, and he knows he might be hating himself on Monday for making this bet, but from a power rating standpoint, he said the gap is simply too big to ignore despite the coaching mismatch. On the Patriots side of things, RJ noted Anthony Lynn's on the hot seat and he's poor under pressure, and this is going to be the most pressure he's faced after last week's debacle in Buffalo, and Matthew Holt adding, the Chargers are really inefficient on offense, they're elite when it comes to yardage gained, but only about average when it comes to points scored. Looking at the over, Drew seems to like it up to 48. He said the Chargers passing game poised to exploit the Patriots pass defense, and on the other side of the ball, the Chargers defense poor against designed quarterback runs, and that's the Patriots strength with Cam Newton under center. I also think it's interesting to note the Patriots averaged just 3.5 yards per play last week against a beat up and not very good Arizona defense. This includes only 3.3 yards per dropback plus two interceptions from Newton, so it's tempting to get and play on the Chargers, but I don't see a viable angle with the number at Pickham. Unfortunately, they're out of teaser territory right now, and I certainly don't want to count on Anthony Lynn in the endgame against Bill Belichick.
And one more note here when it comes to the rooting interest for any Chargers fans like myself hoping to see them win the Super Bowl anytime soon, the worst nightmare for that scenario would be for them to get hot down the stretch this season. The ship's already sailed on 2020. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to go anywhere under Anthony Lynn. Getting hot down the stretch would put them in a worse draft position. And much more importantly, I think that could give ownership a crutch to use the argument that the team's moving in the right direction to justify retaining Anthony Lynn. There's an incredible window on this team over the next three to four years with Justin Herbert on his rookie deal, plus the talent across the rest of the roster. They just need a competent coach to capitalize on this opportunity. And the next four weeks, a lot of winnable games. So hopefully they'll continue to keep finding ways to lose if you are a part of that endangered species known as Chargers fans. Also gotta hope the Chiefs don't pass the Steelers too fast for that top seed in the AFC playoff race. If Kansas City needs a win in Week 17, that could be great as they could put Anthony Lynn out of his misery if he even makes it that far when the Chargers take on the Chiefs to wrap up the 2020 campaign. And speaking of the Chiefs, Sunday night football, Denver at Kansas City, Chiefs laying two touchdowns with reduced vig on that 14, total 51, three likes on the Broncos, Drew, Fezzik, and Holt. Drew notes Denver gets the quarterbacks back, and he sees this line as an over-adjustment from the line in the first matchup when these teams faced off in Week 7. That game closed, Chiefs minus 7 in Denver. Even if we flip home field advantage, there's still a 4-5 to five point adjustment there. And Matthew Holt adding in his handicap, the look-ahead line was minus 13. So we're getting a fairly key extra point of value despite the Chiefs not covering last week and knowing we can throw out that Broncos game since they didn't have a quarterback for their offense. And I know there are a lot of narratives swirling around this game, the Chiefs being complacent against bad teams, being in a big sandwich spot. I'm not buying into the Broncos because of any Kansas City motivation angles, but I do think the Broncos are worth a look at 14 because that number simply too high. Moving on to Monday, we've got a doubleheader, and the first game's going to be a matinee on the West Coast, Washington at Pittsburgh, Steelers laying 7, total of 42. One like on the Steelers, that came from Adam. He notes Washington has three wins recently, but those have come against weak opposition. The Steelers mark a big step up in class. Adam hinted on his Friday morning episode of The Simple Handicap that he liked Pittsburgh in a teaser, but based on the current number, it's looking like laying the 7 is the way to go. On the Dream Preview, the guys noted there's a big rest disparity in this one. Pittsburgh having played Wednesday, so it's a short week for them. Meanwhile, Washington's last game came on Thanksgiving, and there are also some health issues for the Steelers here. Center Marquise Pouncey's status is questionable after he was placed on the COVID list on Wednesday. And on defense, linebacker Bud Dupree tore his ACL on Wednesday. They'd already lost another standout linebacker, Devin Bush, to a torn ACL. So it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the Steelers' defense. But we do know the Steelers are the far superior team here playing at home. So even the rest and health issues seem fully factored into the line. Shifting gears to the nightcap, Monday Night Football, Buffalo originally scheduled to play at San Francisco, now it's a neutral site game in Arizona. 49ers laying one, total 47, and Matthew Holt had said he liked the Bills minus two and a half when the Dream Preview recorded. There's been a strong line move against that side, and Holt's handicap was largely narrative-driven. He said he expects the 49ers to be flat in a non-division game, and Buffalo to be more motivated, needing to maintain their division lead over the Dolphins. And I think Buffalo might cover this one, but it's difficult to put any stock in those narratives is reason why. Fezzik just had a lean to Buffalo, but I think he had the better angle here, saying the Bills played their last road game in Arizona, so it's a familiar travel spot for them, although the 49ers are also familiar with playing in Arizona as they play there every season. 
One more thing to consider on the side in this game, Anthony Lynn's incompetence was on full display last week. That really benefited the Bills. It's a big step up in class for them to now take on Kyle Shanahan. And a hidden factor on the total, the Rams and Cardinals are going to be playing on the same field the day before. So the field conditions, usually pristine in Arizona, but they could be a little bit messy in this one. That could result in fewer points. I don't have enough of an angle either way to make a play on the total, but if you're looking at the over, maybe this is something worth considering. It might be enough to stay off of playing that. And if you've been on the fence about the under, maybe that could be enough to put it over the top and into the account. And we have another scenario this week in which Monday Night Football won't be the last game of the week. Welcome to 2020. Tuesday night, Dallas at Baltimore, currently off the board as we await word on Lamar Jackson's status. Alright, so that wraps up the Week 13 slate, and unlike Cowboys-Ravens, one thing that always is on the board here at Props and Hops, good beer, and it's time for our beer break. Let's dive into what we're drinking. New developments have been a major theme in the NFL this season, and we also have a new development in the IPA world, so this week the spotlight goes on a new brand, Ferris Falcon. Ferris Falcon's a concept between Horace Aged Ales and Mason Aleworks in San Diego, and Horace is known for premium stouts and barrel-aged sours, but the partnership with Mason Aleworks gives Horace the resources to launch into IPAs. And the first release to come from Ferris Falcon came out last week, and it's called Split Second Glimpse of a Bird Hurtling Past in a Way. I know the name's a mouthful, but all's forgiven when you get a mouthful of this double dry-hopped hazy double IPA using Citra and Galaxy Hops. Split-second glimpse clocks in at 8% ABV, and the appearance, hazy yellow-orange with a thin white head, also comes in an eye-catching can with some really nice falcon artwork on top of a Tiffany blue backdrop. I'll post a photo on Instagram, at Props and Hops. When it comes to the aroma and flavor, you get that signature citrusy and tropical combo with Citra and Galaxy Hops, no hint of the ABV, and the mouthfeel, refreshingly light for the style, this could easily pass for a single IPA. Overall, I think this is an excellent first impression from Ferris Falcon, definitely looking forward to their future releases. And speaking of good impressions, it's time to make one on the Week 13 portfolio. Let's move on to what we're betting. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. And before we dive into sides, totals, teasers, and props this week, want to note, whenever there is gambling going on in here, you know it's important to shop lines, and I'd recommend a new tool to do so, the best odds section at dimers.com. You can get there by going to dimers.com slash best dash odds. I'll drop that link in the show notes for easy reference. All you need to do is pick your sport, the type of bet, and the state, and you'll get a rundown of the best odds available at legal U.S. sportsbooks. If you're in a state without legalization, offshore it is, still recommend you shop around for the best number. And with that said, I think there are two sides worth putting in the portfolio this week. First one, Atlanta plus three. I make that good up to minus 120. It's the Falcons' second look at Taysom Hill in three weeks. I think the health situation favors the Falcons, and any regression toward the mean relative to the first matchup a couple weeks ago also favors the Falcons in this one. Next up, Denver plus 14, also good up to minus 120. This is all about numbers, not teams. And if you're getting two touchdowns with the Broncos against the Chiefs, I think that number's too high, worth putting Denver in pocket. Two totals this week as well. Colts-Texans under 50.5. I think the injury and suspension news throughout the week strongly tilts things toward the under, and that number hasn't adjusted enough yet. And with Jaguars at the Vikings, I'm taking the over 51. Mike Glennon has proven he's capable against a bad defense, and the Vikings offense more than capable of doing damage for its part against the depleted Jaguars defense. Also seeing one teaser that really jumps off the current board, a two-team six-point teaser pairing the Raiders minus 2.5 at the Jets with the Packers minus 2.5 hosting the Eagles. There are enough 8.5s available for the Raiders as I record this to include this in the portfolio, but I'd recommend jumping on any of those Raiders 8.5s sooner rather than later. 
later. With this teaser, we get two significantly better teams, each needing to do little more than win outright. And for comparison's sake, a Moneyline parlay on the Raiders and Packers this week would cost you about minus 180, and it's possible that either of these teams wins by one or two, but the teaser, well worth the 60 to 70 cents we're saving by just laying two and a half in each leg. Two props this week as well. First one, Chargers first quarter on the money line. Going back to the well after a missed PAT led to a loss in this prop last week, but I stand by the process. When it comes to the coin toss, the Chargers often elect to receive. New England elects to defer, so that means the Chargers likely to get the ball first. That's very valuable looking at a first quarter bet. And also the coaching mismatch couldn't be much more lopsided when it comes to Anthony Lynn against Bill Belichick, but that gets magnified as the game goes on. So isolating the first quarter could go a long way in steering clear of another potential Anthony Lynn circus act. I make this bet good up to minus 120, and I think we'll see it available for a little bit better than that once the lines are posted Sunday morning. Next prop this week, Browns-Titans, shortest touchdown, under one and a half yards. By now, you know the drill with the math. The key here, it's the highest total on the board, and this prop is mispriced if it's available for minus 170 or less, and plenty of books have been offering better prices on this type of prop throughout the season. The Titans also fit from a matchup perspective. They have a strong rush offense and a weak defense. They also get a little creative at the goal line. Last week, they scored two one-yard touchdowns. They also allowed two one-yard touchdowns against the Colts. The Browns also fit from a matchup perspective. On their end, a strong rush offense back to full strength with Nick Chubb in action. He scored a one-yard touchdown last week. Wouldn't be surprising to see him do so again this Sunday. So quick rapid-fire recap. Two sides, Falcons plus three and the Broncos plus 14. Two totals, Colts, Texans under 50 and a half, Jaguars, Vikings over 51. One teaser, Raiders minus two and a half paired with the Packers minus two and a half. And two props, Chargers first quarter on the money line and Browns, Titans shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. All right, one more order of business before we close up shop this week. Last but certainly not least, the Malinsky Minute. And this week's words of wisdom from Dave on reacting to bad bounces... The key is that you eliminate the need to have to react to a bad bounce by already accepting the possibility going in. Consider it the occupational privilege tax. When you see enough of these outcomes over time, you accept before you make a wager that those possibilities are in place and that they are indeed going to happen on occasion. Now, five years ago to the day, I received these words from Dave in his point-blank forum as I struggled to process the worst beat of my betting lifetime, that famous Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary in Detroit. It turned my underbet from a winner into a loser, and to add insult to injury, the game had ended on the previous play, it was only extended because of a penalty on the Lions, and that Hail Mary even has its own Wikipedia page, it's known as the Miracle in Motown. It was anything but a miracle for underbetters, but my purpose here isn't to throw a pity party for a bad beat in the past, Instead, it's to shed light on a timeless lesson in perspective. Unpredictable and undesired things do happen that extends far beyond the betting boards. And tying this reality to Dave's advice, accepting bad bounces going in means there's no need to react when they happen. And I think the best part about this, aside from the peace of mind it can provide, is the knowledge that paying the occupational privilege tax up front can open some major edges in life, giving us the opportunity to move forward while others are preoccupied reacting in real time. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. And if you're interested in keeping the conversation going, check out the community of like-minded people in the new Dimers.com Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Dimers.com. I'll drop that link in the show notes as well for easy reference. It's a secure place to talk openly about sports betting, share picks, and have some fun engaging in betting activity 
even when the occupational privilege tax strikes. Hopefully it's not going to strike too heavily this week, but even if it does, by accepting the possibility going in, we can still get out there and enjoy week 13 in the NFL. We'll be back at it next Friday to break down week 14, and until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. (laughs) 